Welcome to Psychology Has It Backwards. This series will question the assumption that people are psychologically broken and need to be fixed. We will talk about how seeing people as innately healthy will change all of your interactions and outcomes. This is a true paradigm shift, and it simplifies the entire process of dealing with mental distress and allows for more profound and immediate changes. Hi, this is Judy Sedgman with Christine Heath, and welcome to another edition of Psychology Has It Backwards. So we're on a, uh, a roll now of, of talking about the various ways in which we've learned to use our thinking against ourselves, all of which are diagnoses that people sometimes take very seriously. And today we're going to talk about anxiety. So uh, anxiety is so prevalent. I, I think, you know, I work in a, uh, see clients in a women's center, and I would say, um, more than 50% of the people that walk in the door are complaining about stress and anxiety. They come in to say, I'm just so anxious or I'm so overwhelmed and stressed by my, all the worries that I have, which is what anxiety is. So I think it's very prevalent in our world today. And I think it's, uh, it's, a, it's a diagnosis that really, uh, you know, people have learned to live with it. And they'd start just describing themselves as an anxious person, but they don't even see that they don't have to be anxious. It just looks like it's, it's baked into modern life. Of course, I'm anxious. And yet all anxiety is when you look at it from the standpoint of the three principles is that we've used this power that we have to think to fill our heads with what ifs and worries and concerns about what if this happens or maybe that's going to happen or what about this terrible thing that I'm dealing with and I don't know the answer to it and I've got to keep trying to figure it out. So we get we get our heads going really fast, kind of uh, trying so hard to, to drive away uh, whatever it is that's bothering us that we keep it alive. And then we start feeling anxious. And so often for some people to the point where they have frequent panic attacks. And once you've had a panic attack, then they become more anxious out of fear that they're going to have another panic attack. And so it's like fear is, fear is, as we have a, uh, a colleague who always says, fear is worse than rabbits. You know, once you put two fears together, they multiply <laughs> faster than you can imagine. So that's, you know, it's, it's, we, it's innocent, but we, we're, we don't realize that we're building a case for all these uh, negative thoughts and then just allowing them to run rampant through our minds. Mm-hmm. I think, too, uh, for me anyway, when I look at anxiety, usually it's people who are trying to find their mental well-being by organizing the future. So they're trying to like plan ahead so nothing bad happens because they're living in thinking that tells them something bad's going to happen. So in that state of insecurity, they start trying to figure out what's going to go wrong and what they can do about it. And as they try to manage the future, they're just making it up, right? Because uh, I think I, I saw this uh, thing they had on, on one uh, some app on happiness app or something, and they said eighty percent, eighty some percent of what people worry about never happens. They're just we're just making it up, right? Okay? And then another like ten percent, it um, happens, but it's no big deal. 
and another so much it happens, but they're surprised at how well they handle it. And in very few cases, what they worried about actually happened. So we're kind of making stuff up all the time because that's what our little pea brain does. Our, our, our intellect is designed to solve and create problems. So it doesn't have anything to, to focus on. It just makes it up and just keeps going. If you leave it go on its own, it's like leaving the television on. It keeps going and it plays and it comes up with whatever's on the channel. So as when people are super anxious, they're usually caught up in thinking that things that they're going to screw up or that life is going to be bad, that something bad is going to happen and somehow it'll be on them or to them. And, and I think that fearful thinking is they scare themselves and then they try to figure out how to get their health. And the way they're trying to get their health is by figuring out what's going to go wrong and then what to do about it. But that never happens. Almost. (laughs) Yeah. That's kind of a fool's uh, fool's errand in a sense, you know, because the more things we make up that might happen, the worse it looks, you know, because that could happen. Oh my God, that could happen. Mm -hmm. I mean, I used to do that in business and I have to say that this example really lives very large in my mind because it really had to do with the success of my business because I was learning the principles while I was at my most anxious. And what I would do, so I had a lot of, uh, I ran a medical practice management business. I had a lot of clients and they had a lot of different problems. And I was aware of a lot of things that could go wrong, you know, from experience with other clients and just knowing what was going on in the healthcare field. So I would like take on a new client and I would the first thing I do is I think, well, let's see if he does this and this could happen and then that could happen or this could go wrong. And how are we going to set him up to, to try to prevent these things? You know, and then, of course, that's crazy because you can't. And the things that you are trying to prevent are like things that don't happen. And you're surprised to discover when something you never thought of happens, everybody knows what to do. So, right. But right. I, I never got onto that. And when I learned the principles, which was while I was in this business, um, all of a sudden I saw that, that, that we were spending so much time actually creating business plans around what ifs. I mean, that's a serious thing that people do. It's called strategic thinking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, and that we were actually, you know, really wasting our time in a sense instead of living in the present moment and just taking things as they came and trusting our wisdom and trusting that when we needed an answer, we could find one, we would always have this contingency. We had plan B and plan C and plan D for everything. And we just stopped doing it. You know, I just had this insight that that was crazy. And I had a staff meeting and we had all been learning together, you know, because our, one of our clients was our teacher. and. Um, and everybody said, yeah, yeah, why don't we spend time helping them create things they want, helping them think fresh, and less time going over things that might happen and work with what's really developing, what's really emerging. And our whole business changed because, number one, we had more free time because we weren't wasting all this time on the what-ifs. And number two, we felt better because we weren't so worried. And number three, our clients weren't worried because we were very hopeful and reassuring. Because when they would come to meetings with us, instead of talking to them about, you know, what else could go wrong, we were talking about, okay, so we understand that you'd like to do this next. So here's a way we can accomplish this. So we were working with positive, hopeful 
mm-hmm. strategy rather than strategy of prevention, so to mm-hmm. speak. I think that's that happens in relationships too. People are always trying to figure out, like, what can I do to make this better? What can I do to fix what's wrong yeah. in my relationship or with my child or whatever it is? And there's some way that we give ourselves permission to worry mm-hmm. that you know somehow it's not going to work out. But we spend so much time trying to fix the problem, and then we scare ourselves with it. Right. Yeah, that's really true. And, you know, another place that happens a lot is parenting. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I I have a friend who who had adopted a baby, and she had uh, read, uh, well, actually, in in the line of work she was in, she knew a lot about child abduction, and she had uh, seen a (laughs) lot. information and cases about that. So she really was terrified that someone was going to snatch her baby. Mm. And so when the baby was little and contained, you know, like in a crib or I mean a carriage or a a carrier or a stroller and was strapped in and she, she was had her hands on the stroller all the time. She was fine. But as soon as the children first learn to walk and they just toddle off and they're, they just take as fast as their little legs can go. You see them running down the hall of the airport and, you, you know, and you could hardly keep up with them. Well, I, honestly, I thought she was going to go crazy because she was so terrified that she, she at one point even got one of those leashes where you put your children, but it was, it was, it was, you know, people were quite critical. <laughs> Let's put it mm-hmm. that way. Yeah. Like, child is not your dog. And yeah. Uh, so she she was embarrassed about that, but she was she wouldn't go places like she would never take her child to a department store or a mall or someplace where the child could run off and mm-hmm. it might be a minute or two before she could catch her child. Mm-hmm. And it honestly spoiled her whole experience. You know, toddlerhood is a really fun time, and yeah, they're naughty and kind of adventurous, but you know, the chances of your child being snatched when they run fifteen feet away from you are pretty slim. It does mm-hmm. happen. But, you know, if that's all you can think about it, in her mind, it was going to happen every time. Mm-hmm. And she would scream. I mean, she, I remember one time we were walking in the mall and she her child, uh, she had the child because we were both there. She figured we could control the child. And the child broke free because somebody had a, a little poodle. Uh. Uh, oh, my gosh. You know, child sees a dog and they take right off. And the child yeah. running, oh, doggy, doggy. And she was like, no, stop this baby. She's screaming out and people are looking out. <laughs> and it was such a funny thing because I said, it's okay, calm down. We can see them. It's a nice lady with a little poodle. You know, we're catching up to them. But, you know, when she when people overreact when they get anxious like that. And honestly, she could not enjoy her child until the child was old enough that, you know, she could make the little girl stay right by herself. Mm-hmm. You know, that's sad. Well, you know, the the thing is, I think a lot of times people feel that the feeling of anxiety that they're in Mm -hmm. is what is, it's like, that's what's causing their reaction. Right. You know, like, and so they feel like anxiety is that feeling Mm -hmm. rather than that, which is true, but the feeling isn't separate from you. It's not like your anxiety makes you worry your anxiety makes you fearful your anxiety it's not that way it's the other way around Mm -hmm. so that's why those traumas like we talked about last week traumas happen to us and then we get fearful they're going to happen again 
Mm-hmm. So because that's known that that did happen, then those thoughts feel like they have some validity. Like, well, I should worry about this. It might have, because, you know, it did happen before and it might happen again. And that I think is partly what, again, is our, our way of trying to be healthy, trying to be safe, trying to be secure when our thinking is creating a state of insecurity. Mm-hmm. So to me, insecurity is what we want to get rid of. Like, even if something bad happens or there's something scary, if you're in a secure place, you're going to handle it a lot more effectively and a lot more efficiently. And you'll be safer the more secure you are in your life. And that feeling of security is what you want to go for first and then take a look at your life and what you need to change or do differently or be safer about or do whatever. I mean, things will come to mind as you go through life, you know, like I should make sure and lock the door today. And Mm -hmm. then I lock the door. I just like, if I think about it, I do it. And then I don't think about it again. But Mm -hmm. I used to like, should I, should should I lock the door? Should I not lock the door? Somebody might break in or maybe they won't break in. And just like, didn't trust my myself at all. Cause I didn't know the difference between wisdom and my intellect. Yeah, that's an interesting story because when I first graduated from college, the summer after college, I lived with five other girls in this apartment, was in a kind of not so great area. And the the person who owned the apartment and was renting it to us had like eight different locks on the door, you know, slide over locks and turn locks and everything. Mm-hmm. And I could, you know, I just couldn't believe that we had to lock all those locks because i you know, just didn't really believe anybody was going to break in anyway. But I just was like, you know, it's so hard to leave the house because you got to remember which ones you locked and unlocked. And I said, why can't we just lock the strongest one and leave the rest alone? And everybody was like, well, he had them up there for a reason, you know, and they'd come up with all these reasons why we must need eight locks in this neighborhood. (laughs) And so I I lost that one because I, everybody was more anxious than I was. Uh Uh No one ever broke in. I don't know if anybody ever tried, but anyway, I was really relieved when I moved out and, and moved and you moved into my own place where I could just have one lock. Mm-hmm. That is a perfect example of how anxious thinking is runaway thinking. Mm-hmm. You get insecure. It's like a it's like going down a slide. You know, you pick up speed and you keep going. Mm-hmm. And um, it's you know, and you. It, we have to learn, I think, to catch ourselves to realize, wait a minute, that's just anxious thinking. Mm-hmm. And and when you start to see it in yourself, it almost looks funny sometimes. You can you can really kind of get a giggle out of it instead of getting mm-hmm. terrified. Yeah, it's it, it's kind of amazing to me how um, we have an experience, you know, of anxiety, and and our mind is focused on what we perceive as creating it even though it doesn't exist. Right. You know, it's like in our mind we're thinking and we don't really realize that it's just thinking that's causing it. You know, like there's a lot of anxiety right now about the election. We're actually doing this taping while we're waiting for the results. And people have, aren't you afraid about this? Aren't you, I'm so afraid about this. And the more they think about how afraid they are, the more afraid they get, Yeah. you know? And, and, and so it's like when we're in that state, we start, talking to ourselves as if we're talking to God. Oh yeah, this could happen. Oh yeah, this is happening. And it, it's just your own thinking that's creating it. Whatever happens, it'll happen. We'll deal with it. 
Right. You know, and, and that's kind of like life happens to us. It doesn't always happen. You know, people die, accidents happen, things, things happen, but we just have to be prepared to go through it the best we can. And by staying calm and staying secure and staying in a beautiful feeling yourself most of the time, you can feel the difference between anxiety and real fear. Right. It's when you live in anxiety all the time, you can't tell the difference. So a lot of times people aren't very good at listening to themselves and they kind of live in stress. They live in insecurity. They live in that. So if there's something to really be afraid of, they don't notice it as much because it's just part of the... It's just part of the whole tapestry. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And honestly, we, we all have wisdom. And when we're in a calm state of mind and we're tapped into our own wisdom, we don't have to be afraid. We'll know the best we can do. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying it always turns out perfect. It turns out how it turns out. But we know the best we can do. Mm-hmm. And we can count on that. But while we're in our caught up in all the things that might happen, something real is happening and we don't have a clue what, what to do. Mm-hmm. So you can't even sort it out. You know, well, I could do this, I could do that, I could do that. What should I do first? I don't know. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, uh, that's not how to keep yourself safe and happy in life. Mm-hmm. And as Chris was saying earlier, it's like finding security, finding peace of mind, finding your, finding your heart and soul, you know, getting out of your head. Uh, is the best uh, cure for anxiety mm-hmm. because um, we feel very confident when we know that we're we're operating from our own wisdom. Mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of like being in that place of not knowing and being okay with it. Yeah. It's just that we think we should know, so we make up a bunch of stuff and scare ourselves. Right. But if you trust that what the energy of life that comes through you has an intelligence with it. It will provide you with the best there is. That's the best you got. Mm-hmm. If you're in memory, that's not. you're not going to get any new thought from there. Mm-hmm. You're not going to get any new ideas. And the ideas you are going to get out of there are going to be based on that insecure state of mind that you're in. So if you, you want to do life differently and you want to live life without anxiety, you want to be focusing on how does that feel? Like for me, because I was anxious a lot, I had to really think about like, okay, I really want to be in a beautiful feeling. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the, that was oh maybe maybe a while after I started learning the principles, I got up one morning and I thought, oh, I don't feel afraid. Yeah. And I didn't, if you had asked me the day before if I had anxiety, I would have said no. But it's it's kind of like it's a never-ending process of finding more peace. Yeah. Finding more security. And that's what's available to anybody. Like you and I, we're not we're not special. We're just two human beings. Mm-hmm. Two old broads, you know, that have both been <laughs> In quite, some- <laughs> quite anxiety and quite anxious, and we're not now. So yeah. like, like find, be open to that. Just see that there, there is peace for you. Right. You don't have to live in that busy-minded, scary place. That's, that's not the way that we're designed. We're just taught to live there because that's the best we could see to do when we're looking at it backwards. Right. Yeah. So here's to peace of mind for everybody. You know, if you can... If you can treat your state of mind and not get caught up in the content of your thinking and realize 
I just got to go back to a quieter place. You know, I want, that's the direction I want to go. Mm-hmm. Yes, point, as Sid, 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 Sid Banks says in one of his tapes, he said, you point yourself in the general direction you want to go and then do nothing. Right. And you end up there. Yep. There you are. Right there. So we wish you peace of mind. Aloha, everyone. See you next week. See you next week. We hope you heard something new and that you will continue to join us to challenge the prevailing thinking about the possibilities for health in everyone. To subscribe to the podcast, visit our website at psychologyhasitbackwards.com 